introduce you to the great musicians and music businesses and organizations of Wisconsin. Every week, Wisconsin Music Podcast will be bringing you great information on what's happening in the Wisconsin music world. For our music-loving listeners, we'll bring you music that you haven't even heard of yet from unique and talented artists and hear about their journey so far. You'll either hear live performances of their songs or songs from their selected discography. For our musicians out there wondering what they can do to further their recognition, we'll be calling upon Wisconsin music businesses and organizations to enlighten you on what they're doing to help further your music journey. And now, here's your host, Zach Fell. Thanks, Dean. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Wisconsin Music Podcast. This week, we have Joel and Mike from 20 Minute Mission. 20-Minute Mission is a trio that calls Madison, Wisconsin home. With diverse influences and playing styles, the group has brought a unique and refreshing aspect to punk rock, post-punk, alt-rock music by meshing styles and abandoning stylistic dogma. Not confined by established roles, the members of the band actively switch instruments from song to song, and this shows in the diversity of sound that is 20-Minute Mission have now all landed in Madison, Wisconsin, and are looking to combine their tastes and abilities into something that is their own, that you can tap your toes to. Not letting COVID detour them, 20-Minute Mission has recorded two EPs while in their bubble. First was a self-titled eight-song CD released in the summer of 2020, and they just finished recording at Audio of the Arts, located in Madison. And we're releasing a seven-song EP this winter, 2021. The song... 29 Palms off the self-titled first EP came in at number 7 in Maximum's Inc.'s New Year's Eve poll of top 41 songs for 2020 in southern Wisconsin. Diamond Dave Photography, the photography that supports local music in Wisconsin, is ready to work with your band or any solo artist on your next promo pictures or band show. To contact Diamond Dave and see previous work, check out Diamond Dave Photography on Facebook and Instagram. Wisconsin Music Podcast is also brought to you by ZTF Studio. ZTF Studio, recording and mixing services, specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects for the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin, doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more. So let's get right into the interview with Mike and Joel. Well, gentlemen, welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Um, We have Mike and Joel from 20 Minute Mission. They are a band out of Madison, Wisconsin, and they're here to tell us a little bit about... um, their their lives in music and um we're gonna start with their origin story so uh mike or joel whoever wants to start first kind of give us like how you got into music early on in your life and how it got you to where you are now why don't you go first mike all right well um <clears throat> i say like a lot of kids are you know growing up started in you know school elementary school i actually started with the viola and uh hated it uh then in middle school switched over to drums so um Played a lot of percussion stuff and then into high school, joined a lot of, you know, some of the local bands, um, some cover bands with friends, and then did a lot of um, jazz work and big band stuff through the school, um, as well as some like pit orchestra uh, during the school musicals. Um, college still played uh, in a couple cover bands uh, while I was at the University of Minnesota. And then really for the past about 10 12 years haven't played much um some here and there uh with various bands but then uh in coming to wisconsin uh met up with uh joel and uh started kind of playing a lot more serious again cool and joel how did you get started in music i was gonna say i started i with me and music um yeah i come from fairly musical family and joined so it's always been around me um started with saxophone in school band and that stuff um, switched over to guitar about freshman year of high school. I got my first guitar, um, started playing in bands in the Milwaukee area, um, mostly punk bands, uh, you know, playing like Unicorn, uh, all the clubs that are now closed down, um, you know, Stone Toad and all them down in Milwaukee. Um, continued on to my mid-30s. Um, then it sort of tailed, tailed down a little bit in terms of what I did. Um, and then uh, all of a sudden about... Uh, Two years ago, got a little bit more serious. I was doing my own recordings. Um, you know, I uh, was having troubles finding a drummer, to tell you the truth. So I took drum lessons for a year and a half just so I'd have somebody put drums behind me, you know, my own music and that stuff. And um, after mm-hmm. about a year, like I said, did that, did lessons for a year and a half, then recorded for another year. And then I was like, I got to 
you know, try to find someone a little bit more with a little bit more drums chops. I mean, I can keep a beat and that's about it. And um, that's when I ran into Mike uh, through band mix. Um, and then, you know, we jammed for about a, was it about a year, Mike? And then we found Steve on band mix also, I mean, we're actually a band mix success story for whatever reason, but about that. Obviously he's not with us today on yeah. <laughs> phone call or whatever you want to call this, but so it's a three piece. So what kind of, influences does this band draw from i'm we're pretty i think we're pretty widespread and i think it's getting wider in our sound as it progresses um uh, i mean i grew up you know uh playing punk rock but you know very much enjoy uh like bakersfield country um i'm not into country country politan or anything like that from nashville um but bakersfield country um do very much like uh old school jazz like um uh, uh, you know, Charlie Parker, John Coltrane, those sort of things. And you're slowly seeing that come a little bit more into our, into our music, especially, um, you know, with the stuff we're working on right now for our next CD, um, that we'll record at some point this year and that stuff. Um, so I, and it's pretty varied. I mean, it is very, it's loud, distorted guitars played pretty fast. I'm not, you know, but I'm, there are, um, element, quite a few elements, other than rock into the music. No, I mean, <clears throat> I agree. I think our, we have a, just a wide eclectic taste in music and um, like really whatever I know, whatever I'm listening to at the time kind of influences um, how I play drums on certain songs. And I know with uh, Steve too, just all of our, the, those different influences and really have the mentality of, Hey, let's just, let's just play music that we like and someone else likes it. Awesome. If they don't like it. Oh, well, so. <laughs> well, that's a good mindset. Joel, you said you came from a musical family. Do you want to um, expand on that a little bit? Um, yeah. I was going to say it's sort of very, I mean, it's certain. I mean, I, I'm from a family of six over 16 years. So um, not only is everyone a little bit musical, they all have a little bit their own taste. My sister closest in age to me, I'm the youngest. Um, uh, was a DJ for um, UW Oshkosh, um, very much into punk rock. Probably that would be my biggest influence of my siblings. Um, I would go up Saturday nights, sit in on their on her um, on her show, um, listening to what she was listening to. Um, you know, I went to first show was Husker Du when I was in middle school at UW Oshkosh back in the early '80s and that stuff. Um, so in terms of that, um, my sister, Kim, very, uh, very good singer. Um, I mean, most of her stuff was doing weddings and that sort of thing. Um, so very much took a, took very much of an influence from her. And then, you know, being unfortunately the youngest of six, I basically had to listen to whatever my, you know, listen to whatever music my older siblings forced me to listen to and, or, um, uh, uh you know, watch whatever TV they were watching, but in terms of music, then, you know, I had other siblings. I mean, I, I've listened to pretty much every Linda Ronstead song there's ever been on, ever produced. <laughs> um, my brother's favorite band is Hall & Oates. So, and which is not the worst thing. They have a lot of very good no. pop, pop um, sensibilities to their music to, you know, bring to the table to what we do. So, um, you know, it was just a constant barrage of music back in those days. Excellent. Mike, did you come from a musical family? I did actually. My father um, also was a DJ in the uh, Western New York area, so various um, various stations. Um, I don't know, like he did some country stations, some top forty stations, and then I think right around when I was like six or seven, he kind of got out of um, being a radio DJ and then continued on. He had a, a DJ company, um, so playing a lot of weddings. Um, was one of the really the first people to get into karaoke, um, so you know, constantly throughout my life, whether it's going to uh, weddings with them to help carry and put all the stuff in, but had a great musical mind. It was actually, uh, would always tell a story on how his mother got mad at him because he was going to go camping with one of his buddies. And when they were driving up to the Thousand Islands, they heard that there was a concert going on. So they made a detour and went to Woodstock instead. Oh, and awesome. So would always talk about Woodstock and, you know, like his limited memories of I remember it was really muddy and yeah. we had a tent and all our camping stuff. So we just set it up and it was just, people would just come in and sleep for a while and then they would leave. And so 
but sure. very, uh, very musically inclined. Um, yeah. So a lot of, that's where I get a lot of the kind of eclectic, uh, music tastes because he would listen to just about everything and could always like, he would have been great on name that tune because, you know, play like three, four notes and just be like, Oh, it's this song. You're like, Oh, neat. So he, yeah, he has a really good music memory. Yeah. Let's kind of go into your past a little bit and kind of talk about like like one of your first gigs. Was there anything that stood out um, when you guys first started out? I mean, I knew you weren't in the same band, so you can talk about different experiences, but something that kind of like one of your first gigs and something about that that just kind of has a cool story to it or something surprising about it. I remember my first kind of bigger gig with a uh, with a band where it was like we were like on a stage stage and had all these technical problems we're doing a cover of um metallica cover of uh i don't remember the side the uh i can't remember it anyway but the uh big big just technical problems and couldn't like the guitar just kept on cutting out so it was like very disappointing it was one of those like in high school so everybody had like two songs they could do um so super disappointing. And then we got off stage and then the guy who was running the whole thing was like, Hey, you guys just kind of got messed up being the opening band on there and all the technical glitches. So you guys can close the show too. So got to bookend. So it was kind of, it was kind of neat. We got to, oh, wow. you know, play another kind of redeem ourselves at the end of it. So that was kind of my first real big stage in front of people with like a whole bunch of bands. It just was an epic failure at the beginning, but we redeemed it at the end. So it worked out quite well. Excellent. Cool. Joel, you have any uh, stories around your first time around playing live? Yeah. Um, with uh, probably my most success, the most successful band I was in, um, Rhinelander out of Milwaukee. Um, you know, I was in high school bands with two of the members. And then my freshman and sophomore year of college, I sort of had to go away. After my sophomore year of college, we, re- re- we reunited, got a lead singer um, and during that two years off, my two friends actually started their own record label out of Milwaukee, and then they moved up to Minneapolis, Catlick Records. Um, so our first thing was going to record it, be record a seven inch, actually. So um, they had some friends up in Medford, Wisconsin, farther no- northern reaches, um, that had this studio. They said, come on up, and we'll set up a show for you guys. So we're like, okay. So we go up there, record, and they're just like... And we're like, well, what are we going to play? And they said, it's called The Shack. And we're like, oh, okay, um, whatever that is. So um, we get done recording our two, the two songs we're going to put on the, our initial 7-inch. Um, and so we drive to this place called The Shack. And it is like you're driving on a dirt road through a, through a swamp. You know, each side, all you see is rushes and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden you get to a clearing, and here's this – I mean, it's a shack. It's a two-story shack, probably 20 feet by 20 feet, two stories. And I mean, there had to have been like 300 kids. It's just BYOB, had a huge bonfire. Um, I mean, it's nothing you would expect. It's sort of like this hidden area where the kids would go to party to stay away from the cops. Um, They set us up on stage, did everything ourselves. You know, it was very DIY sort of thing. And I mean, it was just... I mean, it's still probably one of my favorite shows. I mean, it's you know, I mean, so unexpected. Um, everyone was like totally into it, and this was you know the time of hair metal still. Right. So um, you know, not everyone were, was into punk bands or anything like that. But I mean, it was just I mean, it was just the craziest, like I said, DIY, BYOB sort of party sort of thing in the middle of nowhere, uh, somewhere around Medford, Wisconsin. I could not find it if you paid me. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Well, then let's kind of um, roll back into the uh, the present now. Um, how long has uh, 20 Minutes uh, Mission been together? We got together about October of 2019, maybe September of 2019. Just like six months before the pandemic hit. Pretty much. We, uh, um, we had a bass player initially, and then um, for whatever reason, um, decided to, Hey, as we were getting ready to like, Hey, we can get in the studio, uh, record an EP. Uh, she decided to, to drop out, had some family things going on. So then Joel and I were like, well, Hey, let's just push through between you and I, we can cover all the bass parts and the songs. And 
we'll record that. And then in the summertime, we'll look for a, uh, a bassist. And then lo and behold, the pandemic hit. So I kind of put some things on pause for a little bit. And then once the kind of more summer kind of hit, um, we ended up starting just rehearsing in my basement, just Joel and I um, come over and with an acoustic guitar and my electronic drum set um, and play some stuff. And then once we finished the EP, uh, that's when Joel uh, and I kind of got a lot more looking into a bassist. And that's when Joel found Steve. Okay, cool. And so from the information you guys sent me, you have two recording projects. Yep. I was going to say the one that came out during the summer, that's just Mike and myself. And then February 19th of this year, uh, we released our the first uh, CD album, whatever you want to call it, with all, all three of us. Um, okay. Recorded at Audio for the Arts in Madison. Um, and yeah, we probably have about eight songs right now in the works um, and maybe more. I, I was going to say, uh, I was going to say, we, like a lot of bands, we're taking this time where when we can't play out live to write. Um, so I was going to say it's pretty fast and furious during our rehearsals in terms of writing. And that. Why don't you kind of take us through the journey of recording for you guys? So you can pick either album or you can pick both of them. Just, you know, kind of give us an idea of how each one kind of went from start to finish. I mean, there was a, between the two, it was, I want to say it's a <clears throat> kind of a night and day difference uh, because the, the EP of the, our first one was really over about six months where, went in, tracked some drums, and then would go and kind of chip away at stuff. There was the big break for the pandemic. Then we got back in and chipped away, adding various parts versus the uh, down on Ruskin Street. That was a, uh, all right, two days, fast and furious in there. Um, I think it was like about two 10-hour days, just like just playing stuff and playing over and over and over. And, you know, we had rehearsed so much that, had a lot of, there's a couple that it may have been like, we ended up using the first take, like, you know, recorded a handful of times through and it's like, ah, I think the first take is the one we're going to do. So that was kind of the big difference I saw is the time that it took uh, for each one to physically get stuff down. Okay. And so let's um, kind of talk about the first one a little bit. So you go in and you, from my understanding, you're saying this is the one where you rushed right through it and not rushed through it, but you know, you, you, took the less amount of time to get it done oh no the the first one was the was the long one okay the first one was a long one so so you walk in so and this was the first one was recorded where the sound garden in madison okay so you walk into sound garden kind of give us some you know be, behind the music stories <laughs> like what happened when you guys walked in there how was it set up you know what was the vibe you know all that kind of information um it was I was gonna say the vibe was good. Ken's good. Ken's a good guy who runs um, Soundgarden. Um, it's he's. I mean, he's particular about how he wants sort of things. So, um, and with only two people, it's sort of it. Everything seemed to. I mean, I've been in recording studios before, and it's you know it seemed the vibe was a little bit you know sort of feeling our way out sort of, sort of thing. Um, so it was a little bit more on a. Un, un, unassured about ourselves, um, about the process. Um, this is the first time, you know, Mike and I had been practicing for a handful of times um, for a few months, you know, over at uh, Madison Music Foundry at this point yet. We hadn't moved into our studios and that stuff. So um, there was there was a few little bit, little bit of bad signs. One of my pedals exploded basically um, when I plugged it oh. in. Yeah, I was going to say there was a short in the wire and all of a sudden just boosh. So I was like, oh God, and uh, blew out a few of, uh, blew a few of for his power at that. So um, it was, it's, it was, it was interesting to, um, to, to record there. Um, I don't know. It's was, like I said, it was, it was, it was really feeling every, everything out. Cause it was the first time with this guy, with Ken, first time with Mike for me um, recording. Um, we didn't have a bass player. So, you know, there was, I mean, unfortunately, it was you know a lot of unknowns for me. Uh, that's that was my behind the scenes sort of take on it. But um, I think Ken Ken did a good job, um, as good as you know he could, as good as he could have done, and as good as we uh, you know allowed him to be. So I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I, 
I would agree in that. And I think some of the songs too, with it just being the two of us um, really hadn't, hadn't had that full band play. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm on drums and Joel's on the guitar playing that thing through. So, or we would do something where it was like, I'd play bass and he'd play the guitar, but there would be no drums in the background when we would rehearse some stuff through. So it just didn't, you never got what the full sound of the song was going to be until after we recorded it. Gotcha. If you guys want, we can put some of the, um, of the songs from that first EP into the podcast so people can hear it if you want. That'd be cool. Um, yeah. Why don't you pick um, like a couple songs from, from that album and then you kind of give us a story behind those songs that you pick. I would do, I would do Trigger Warning just because it's uh, probably, I would say, the most political of it. It's very pop punkish. Um, it's very pop punk. It is very simple it's the most political i would say that we've gotten in any song and it's just you know when i was looking at some of like the lyrics and stuff for it when it came out it was just a lot of uh you know kind of poking fun at both sides of the uh, political aisle of just you know things everybody just gets triggered by like oh no this happened oh that happened and you know just the constant funny story behind that behind the scenes thing is ken has a like a two-year-old grandson and the that song has you know it's the I, I don't it, it's very it's catch it's catchy it's you know a trigger warning oh in the line trigger warning over and I guess his grandson absolutely loved that song he would come and visit grandpa every day going can you play trigger warning trigger warning and that stuff so that one does cool. have a good story I forgot all about that aspect of that one so yeah yeah. Just coffee would be the other one, and that one I I, I had a riff which used for that song, and then it was basically I was just trying to write the most 
uh, simple, straightforward song I could possibly have written. Um, I, I'm, you know, uh, I'm very much that sometimes music gets way too complicated these days and that. So um, trying to do that. The lyrics are just a series of six word memoirs that, you know, me and my wife, Kathy, were sitting around one day. Um, I know this sounds incredibly interesting, but we sit around writing six, we'll pick a subject and we'll write out six word memoirs for about an hour or so on a certain subject. And that's uh, where the lyrics came from. That's why she gets writing credits. I mean, to tell you the truth, I don't know which ones are hers and which ones are mine from that song. Um, <laughs> just sort of, but just cover all the bases and had her give, give, gave her writing credits for that one. of the album was that the uh, the song 29 Palms uh, did end up making Wart FM's um, in their top 41 of 2020. It was the number seven song in Madison. Oh, very good. Uh, congratulations. And then do you guys do any home recording, you know, like for practice, you know, kind of hear back your music and then kind of critique it and then adjust for, you know, making it better? Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, at our studio, we do some very rough recordings. And then when we bring song, we all have different recording apparatuses at our home. And that's usually a little bit how songs begin. Um, you know, Mike, myself or Steve will record a full song. Um, I used to do drums. I'm, you know, I don't even worry about, I, I haven't picked up my drumsticks probably in a year now. Um, so I just do guitar, but we do our home recordings. Um, we have our Google page, shared page. We send out, uh, you know, hey, I got this song. Send it out. Send out some guitar tab also, um, and then we'll do, you know, just minor recordings at our at our practice rehearsal studios. You know, with our, you know, record it with our phone, then put that back up, and you know, it's a it is a process. But yeah, home recordings are definitely the sort of the beginning of all of our songs. And then why don't we kind of talk about your second album, kind of give us the behind the music story of doing that one. Well, our the Down on Ruskin Street name actually comes from where we rehearse. It is on Ruskin Street in the 
album cover is actually just taken a picture of Ruskin Street itself. So like Mike said, it was the most straight ahead forward, probably one of the best recording experiences I've ever had um, in terms of volume that we got done. Um, and I mean, we got so much done, actually, we were sitting around the studio and um, we did two, two live versions of songs from the first EP because um, we just had extra time to do. So that's why it's nine songs. Um, and uh, it was uh, it, it was in and out and uh, a lot of a lot of one takes and that stuff. Um, very reminiscent when you uh, listen to stories about who's going to do recordings on arcade in 72 hours doing that whole album, you know, and that 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 short of time and that stuff. Um, not to say not to compare us to that, but um, that's what I think of in terms of the volume um, that we that we put out in such two days, like Mike said. Our our engineer Noah too. He just his enthusiasm and just eagerness um, really really helped out too. You know, he joked that the whole month prior, all he was doing was recording um, a lot of Christmas, a lot of choruses and stuff like that. So. We were definitely a breath of fresh air in coming in, so I was pretty, uh, pretty excited for him. And I, I think his his attitude and just the atmosphere inside there really uh, played into how quickly we were able to do stuff and uh, you know just the overall experience. And why don't you guys pick a couple songs from that album as well and give us a little story behind each one of those? We do have a music video for Revolution if uh, you wanted to do Revolution, Joel. Yeah, I was going to say Revolution at Dawn. You wrote the lyrics. I mean, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about it because um, I was sort of a uh, – Steve Steve wrote the music. Mike wrote the lyrics for that one. So uh, Revolution at Dawn, very similar. I, you know, when I write uh, lyrics or in, in that stuff, I don't like to be as straightforward with, hey, this is the meaning of something. I like to have different interpretations of, let somebody be like, oh, hey, what, what, are, what are they actually talking about in the lyrics? So on uh, Revolution at Dawn, you know, I can see it kind of going both ways with one, hey, are we, are we talking about, you know, rioting, um, starting a, a revolution, actual revolution, or are we talking about just going out on a Friday night with friends, you know, drinking, having a good time, and then, you know, it's just, in the, in the morning, you're, you're walking around thinking of all the great stuff that, that you did and, you know, just was somewhere in that gamut between the two. So a little vagueness, but a little uh, kind of straightforward as well. Nothing wrong with that.
Simon and Dave Photography, the photography that supports local music in Wisconsin and is ready to work with your band or any solo artist on your next promo pictures or band show. To contact Diamond Dave and see previous work, check out Diamond Dave Photography on Facebook and Instagram. Wisconsin Music Podcast is also brought to you by ZTF Studio. ZTF Studio recording and mixing services, specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects for the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin, doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more. ZTF Studio brings success to your recording project. All right, back to the interview. Why don't we do one more? We'll go with Breaking a Butterfly, and it was uh, music by Steve. I did the lyrics. It was basically... Um, Came up with the phrase, was happened to be watching TV, reading something, don't remember. Um, someone used the phrase, it's like breaking a butterfly. Um, and so breaking a butterfly on a wheel uh, was the phrase they used. And so I was like, huh. So looked it up, uh, looked up the history of it. Um, you know, I was going to say it's a lot, of, lot to do with, uh, you know, uh, I mean, it basically means a lot of effort for no results. Um, and it was in the context that I was reading, um, pointed a lot to the Spanish Inquisition, actually. Um, so that is sort of the basis behind that song. Um, and uh, I mean, it does have a little bit of a religious overtones to it at times. I don't think anyone, it, I don't think anyone will be, you know, it's not going to be, it's not really hidden from anyone who hears the song. Um, it's not, you know, hit you over the head, though, with it also. So. Um, that would be buying that song. I will say with Breaking a Butterfly, my my favorite part of that song is Joel's kind of bass line in the in the center part where the, the whole song just kind of calms down for a little bit and the um it just has this kind of this bass solo that I I mean that's probably one of my favorite uh favorite sections of a song that we've done.
local venues? What positives have you seen in the local scene and what ha- uh, negatives have you seen in the local scene? Well, I will, I will start out with, um, I'm not from Madison. I have not actually played anywhere in the, in the Madison area. So I will have to, uh, we have some shows lined up for this summer, uh, later this summer already. And we're starting to, um, book a lot of stuff cause there we got, we've been getting a bunch of interest, but, uh, I'd have to defer to Joel just cause I've been in Madison since June of 2019. Yeah. Um, and I've been playing Madison since about 1988. And I, I really feel uh, horrible because of the, I mean, for a lot of reasons for the pandemic, but um, there seemed to be sort of a rebirth um, of independent clubs a little bit. Uh, right before COVID hit, you had the Art Inn, which unfortunately closed for good during COVID. They're not going to be reopening. Um, but, you know, Barley Pop Live, Mickey's, um, uh, um trying to think of what the place is over on Milwaukee street that does the all ages show, which um, is very near and dear to my heart because I've, you know, don't want to get on political soapbox or anything, but you know, when the city built the overture center, they tore down the teen center at the loft, which was, um, and they didn't really have a plan to where to, to put that club. And I mean, that had national touring acts like, you know, screeching weasel, um, you know, uh, seven seconds played there. A lot of great bands, national touring Local bands more because of that. They had no, the city had no plan, but it seemed to be turning around right before COVID. Um, So I am excited. Hopefully, like I said, Arden, I know is closing for good. They will not be coming back, but you also have North Street Cabaret, which is doing uh, louder shows too, like us. So I will say um, I am encouraged by the scene uh, that hopefully, you know, pandemic doesn't shut it down for good too much um and uh you know i was gonna say i'm trying to book shows in madison right now um even madison venues aren't setting up for late summer the two shows we have one's in lake mills one's in milwaukee and even the one in um milwaukee it's sort of a it's don't don't advertise yet we might end up having to bump you if you know things get pushed out sort of thing um Madison, I've reached out to a few places, sent them a press package, um, haven't got responses. Um, From the websites, it looks like they're still not even going to start for a little bit in terms of booking live shows or anything like that. But like I said, it was, I mean, I feel bad for the pandemic for so many reasons, but it did look like uh, they're sort of going to get a jump back to like when I was young, when you had like OKs, Club to Wash, uh, the Chamber, all those great clubs um, that were independently owned, indep- independently ran. Um, and it did, to me, it had the feeling sort of of, of the same thing um, was w- what the stage was set for right before the pandemic hit. Right. Okay. Um, any negative? I mean, we we know the COVID has been the negative of this, but um, like when you did play out, was there um, positives or negatives that you saw? Um, from like the crowds or the venue owners themselves most i mostly positives but then you you i mean like every band you learn to play you know clubs that are a little bit more uh suited for you um you know as you always fought you know against you know a lot of club i mean it's 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 like it is in a lot of towns where it's you know there's a lot of cover cover bars in madison um, that are only looking for cover bands. And so finding original places is, can be a little bit difficult to do. Um, you know, that's, I, I, that's going to be probably the, I've watched so many documentaries and from different times and people talk about that. So I was going to say that's probably going to be a forever art, uh, battle. But uh, besides that, that was the only, the only thing. Madison, for loud music, I, it's a, it's a good town. It's not a great town. I would say um it's you know um it's uh there's uh it's it's always seemed to be an up, up uphill struggle for us i was gonna say that it's you know milwaukee is a little bit more of a metal town than madison so that's always you know one nice thing i was living in milwaukee a lot in the in the in the 90s and 80s too so that benefited me a little bit too but um 
but yeah, just, you know, looking for places that'll accept original music is the biggest thing. Yeah. What are kind of some of the places once COVID um, gets to the point where we can start having live music again? Where do you guys want to, um, like some bigger venues that you'd like to play at? I think uh, I, um, High Noon Saloon would be probably number one on our list. Um, I don't know if you consider that a bigger venue, but High Noon Saloon um, would be definitely not, would be up there on the list. Uh, Barley Pop Live, I've always liked a lot. Uh, Mickey's I've liked a lot in terms of bigger, you know, um, I mean, we would like to play Summerfest down in Milwaukee too in that. Um, and, uh, you know, I was going to say, you know, Freak Fest on Halloween would be wonderful, but, you know, that might be wishful, that's probably wishful thinking though also. I mean, we'll try as hard as we can, but um, uh, that, uh, you know, a lot of the festivals, like Mike's, Mike's been more of the, fe- I've, I do clubs, Mike does festivals, and most of the festivals are just, the 2020 acts are being, if they are going to attempt to do something, are just replenishing for two, 2021, but Mike can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, that's that's been the most frustrating thing with the festivals, which, all right, I understand, because, you know, they, you, you, made a, you made a commitment to somebody the previous year, you know, and it would, it would stink for that, that group to not be able to go and play, but at the same token kind of put us at a, uh, kind of hamstrung us a little bit because the, the festivals are, Hey, we're not, we're not taking anybody or because we're honoring last year's lineup. But if, uh, there is a cancellation or somebody drops out, we'll consider you. So now you're, you're one, you're fighting for one slot out of, you know, 30, 40 bands that may be applying for it versus, you know, yeah out of 30, 40 bands vying for 10 or 12 slots. So, Right. Yeah, I, I actually haven't heard that from anybody yet. So you're the first ones to kind of mention that that's what they're doing. I mean, yeah, like you said, you, you kind of want to say, yeah, you know, because of last year, you know, we're, we're honoring things for this year. So hopefully then um, more things start opening up because then I think there's going to be a bottleneck. It's like once things start opening up, it's going to all these musicians want to go and play somewhere. And all the fans and crowds want to go and see these live bands, and it's just gonna, there's gonna be not enough for everybody to to go around. It's, it looks like it might be happening. So maybe new things will start to pop up for more opportunities for people that can't get into the typical festivals. Yeah, I I just have this feeling that, especially with with the amount of people being vaccinated, the kind of the doors opening up on some places. I think the Fourth of July in my mind is going to be the big kind of the big event to where there's going to, there's going to be a handful of places that are going to do live music and have events and it's going to go off successfully. And then a lot of the clubs and a lot of the other venues that would do outdoor music, um, especially Friday, Saturday nights will just be like, Oh, Hey, we need, we need something now because this was popular. It was working. And so I'm kind of hoping that that's what occurs. Yeah, I hope so too. As a musician myself, I can't wait to go back and start hearing live music again and maybe someday start playing out again because that's definitely been obviously basically killed until you know we can start opening things up again. So as we wrap this up, the last few questions I ask is um, one thing is work-life balance. How are you guys dealing with that? Is it a struggle or do you find it's not much of a struggle? It's it's pretty good for me. Um, I can't complain about my about working. Um, I was gonna say it's sort of. I mean, I have some things to do, but I I I'm I'm able to you know get to all of our practices. That haven't had a problems with recording or anything like that. So I've been keeping a pretty good life uh, work balance. Um, my my work definitely stresses that. Um, so I, I, in terms of that, I have no complaints whatsoever. Mike, do you have any issues with work-life balance? No, not at, not at all. This is actually one of the reasons why I um, started looking for a band to play with is because for the first time kind of in my career, I've been able to have that work-life um, balance to where I'm not, you know, doing 12, uh, 12 hour days or being gone for long periods of time. So it was, is, is very nice, very convenient. So I'm, I'm actually in the U.S. Army. Oh, okay. So previous to coming here, I was I was in Germany for three years um, in the 173rd IBCT. So we're an airborne brigade. 
a lot of time spent in, you know, Latvia, Poland, um, Italy, France. So it would just be gone all the time. I'd be out of the house by about 4.50 in the morning and then I'd be getting home around seven o'clock at night. So there was just, there was no, there was no physical time for anything other than kind of family stuff. Had an infant, um, but now here, um, with the position that I have in, in Madison, uh, teaching ROTC at uh, UW Madison, it just, it's a lot more nine to five. And because I'm so used to being busy, I have, I have that time at the end of the day now that we can, we can work on stuff. I can go to rehearsals. Most of my weekends are free, you know, so it's been, it's been phenomenal. It's been really great. One of the last questions is to wrap this up. Uh, what's on your playlist right now? What artists are you listening to that maybe not getting um, some recognition that maybe you think should be getting recognition? Uh, so I am right now. I'm a big pop punk guy. Like uh, everything that Travis Barker has been doing during the pandemic has just been like refueled all of my love for Blink 182 when I was a teen, and like his stuff with Machine Gun Kelly. Like that, that album, I believe, um, Tickets to My Downfall is probably the, the best pop punk album to come out in 2020. Probably one of the top albums to come out. I mean, every every song is pretty solid on there. Um, other than that, just, you know, a little bit of uh, a little bit of everything every now when I'm working. I like to listen to a lot of big band and jazz uh, in the background. But for new music, I would say pretty much anything that Travis Barker's put his hands on. It's kind of nostalgic of the late nineties, early two thousands. Cool. Well, you Joel. Um, actually, I was going to say, I think I was talking about with Steve, this, uh, our last practice, I think I bought more new music in the past year than I have. I don't know in how many years. Um, there's been so much writing going on. Um, uh, Alphabet land by X blue hearts by Bob Mould would be the top two new things for me. Um, in the past year that have come out that I do listen to quite a bit. Um, Warner Hodges, who is the guitarist from Jason the Scorchers, is probably his most famous band. Um, he put out a greatest hits album that over this past year that's amazing. We'll listen to that a lot. Um, and then uh, that, for new music, that would be that those are the big three. Um, and then, um, you know, I have band uh, Pure Joy out of Seattle. Uh, who came out during the grunge bands, but they were a little bit more punkish, um, gets very much overlooked. And I mean, they're forever on my playlist. Um, I think probably, I personally, my personal outside of Hendrix, my favorite Seattle uh, music act of all time. Is there any advice you'd like to give any musicians listening out there that you've learned over the years before we wrap this up? I got to say the one, I, I mean, just, I mean, I, I have always, and I, sometimes I fought this, but I, you know, uh, just, I always say, just make music you like. Um, cause bottom line, you know, I've been at this 30 some years and, um, you know, I was going to say, not to say I haven't gotten anywhere, but, um, when, you know, when all is said and done, um, I'm the person who's listened to my music more than anyone else. So I, you better make it so you like it um, because, you know, like I said, you might be the only person who ended up hearing it in the end. So that's, uh, that, that's my advice, not to be a, too much of a downer or anything like that. But um, that's what I think. I, I, I would second that. Uh, the only other thing I would say, and I think everybody does it is, is have fun. So have fun, mix it up, try different things. And if you're not very good at it, just keep trying and maybe it'll be better. I don't know. I just have fun. And the other, the other thing I learned over the past, when we were looking for a bit, we were looking for a bass player for eight months with no success, very little, even nibbles or anything like that. And then I was just like, what am I going to do? And I remember this story from uh, the Pixies said about when they were looking for a bass player. And this, when they found Kim deal, they put an ad up in the paper that said, um, looking for a bass player to be in a band somewhere between Neil Young and Husker Du. And I was like, <laughs> huh, uh, what the hell? Why would I just do so I basically just ripped that off verbatim, put that out there. And this, we found Steve through this, but we probably had 15, 15 responses within about two weeks to that. So 
whatever. I don't know if that was that, but for whatever reason, that ad spoke to people and yeah, got them in the door. I have no clue why, but that would be just use that ad if you're looking for a bass player. <laughs> Excellent advice. Oh, one last thing I, I forgot to ask you guys. Where did the name 20 Minute Mission come from? So uh, a name generator online. We were working through some various names, couldn't get a uh, kind of good one. So uh, I remembered that Childish Gambino um, said that he got his name through just a random name generator. So that that's what I did. Got a whole bunch of random, put in some numbers, some various things, you know, jobs, this and that. It spit out about 50 of them, whittled them down, shot them to Joel. And, uh, you know, as I talked about earlier, how the different interpretations of, of things, what he liked about it. And I let him kind of talk about his kind of in- interpretation of the 20 minute mission, what he liked about it. But then I, and just coming over from Germany where I was a paratrooper, the very first, uh, uh, command you give when you're getting ready to jump out of the airplane is you yell at 20 minutes allows people to start getting their stuff ready and then, you know, 10 minutes, uh, yada, yada, yada. So in theory, the way I saw it was like, ah, 20 minute mission, you have 20 minutes and then, you know, your mission kicks off. So it kind of brought back some of those army roots. I'll let Joel hit on his, uh, his interpretation. Cause I, I really like Joel's too. It's great. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, Mike sent me all the lists or the list of names. And, um, the reason why I spoke the most to me was you know back to youth when we would play at the, you know shows at the unicorn these all ages shows punk shows back in the late 80s early 90s and um you know it'd be like five six bands you'd have like you'd basically have 20 minutes to put in as many songs you can usually back then that was like about 12 songs in that 20 minutes that you jammed in there um but you know you had like like i said 20 minutes to give it up give it your all and just uh pound through a set as fast as you can so um, that's why it spoke to me uh, in terms of the ones that he sent over that the name generator kicked out. Very cool. Very cool. Well, <laughs> Mike and Joel from 20 Minute Mission, thank you so much for being on on the Wisconsin Music Podcast. I really appreciate you guys being here. Any last words before we say goodbye? I just thank you to you. Um, I was going to say, I was going to say, it's hard, hard, it's hard and so hard during these times to be stay in contact with people. So, um, you know, anything to, you know, get the word out and uh, support. So very much. Thank you to you actually. Oh, thank you. Much appreciated. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having us on. It was great. Um, absolutely great. Thanks. My pleasure. Well, that's another interview with 20 minute mission. I hope you guys enjoyed um, the conversation and their music as well. You can check them out on reverb nation, SoundCloud, and also they have a Facebook and Instagram pages. And all that information is in the show notes. If you haven't had a chance yet, I've started a new segment on Fridays called Friday Music Showcase, where I just play a couple songs from a couple bands every Friday. Some more kind of like a little short radio program of local Wisconsin music. If you would like to send in some songs for the Friday Music Showcase, send the links to of those songs to wisconsinmusicpodcast at gmail.com and in the subject of the email type in friday music showcase inside the email besides the link for the music please put in a short bio about the band and the story behind each one of the songs that you send and we'll get that on the wisconsin music podcast friday feature friday music showcase I'd like to thank Nate Wyckoff for creating the music for the Wisconsin Music Podcast and to Dean Bundy for our great voiceover in the beginning and intro. Thanks to Jacob at CW Hip Hop for syndicating our podcast every Monday at 4 p.m. at CWHipHop.com. Also, ZTF Studio, recording and mixing services, specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects for the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more. 